I want you to try to imagine that it's about six months from now, it's the end of July, you are really, really, really tired of 100 degree days and sun, so we're like, no, don't drag me there, right? So, by the way, how many of you just love like the heat in the summer? Can I just see? Okay, y'all are just weird. I'm just telling you, I know, I know everybody has their, and I don't love the cold either, but 100 degree days all day, uh, that's just, so how do you deal with that? Here's the best, my favorite way of dealing with that, find a pool somewhere, right? Just, and, and here's the thing, I think we've talked about this before. There is a right way and a wrong way to get in the pool. The wrong way to get in the pool, especially in the end of July, is to do what my wife does and to kind of tiptoe down in and test out the waters and make sure, I'm like, come on, it's like warm bath water, you know, just one time, just, just jump on it. She's got to test it out and slowly, you know, kind of work her way down into the water. Then you've got the right way to get into the pool, which is... You just take a run and start and jump and, you know, completely. And by the way, if you're jumping in like our neighborhood pool is like four feet deep, you know, you have to like allow yourself to submerge and go under the water because it won't happen on its own. You got to go all the way under on the first jump. That's just what you do. You're all in, right? You just, you just go all in. However, guys in particular, because guys have pockets, there's something you need to remember. And that is... There are certain things that you need to take out of your pockets first before you dive in, right? Anybody ever done that? You like get all excited, and you're like, hey, I'm going to go jump in the water. You're like, uh-oh, I left some valuable things in my pocket that I didn't mean to leave in there, and that's not a good thing. Uh, going all in is great. Just make sure you take out your valuables first. And isn't that how some of us want to approach our relationship with God? I want to go all in, God, but first, if you don't mind, I'll put that wallet over here. I'll, you know, take these things that are really important in my life, and I'll, I'll leave those there. But the rest of me, I'm all in. And today we get to continue on our, our discussion of asking some really powerful what-if questions. We've talked about what if I go all in. And I know a lot of you have been wrestling with it. It's been exciting, by the way, just to see the response to people that have been praying through and asking those questions. And then we came back and asked the question, what if I engage in biblical community? And I loved it because on the way in here, Stephen stopped me and he said, I can't even go to church because all these people are stopping me, wanting to start new connect groups and do all this stuff. He's like, it's really exciting. It's wonderful. So it's exciting to see that stirring in the lives and the hearts of our people. Um, really important, powerful questions. Here's the one I want us to look at today is what if I gave more generously? If we want to talk about being all in, this is part of it. You know, we, we can't say, God, I'm all in, but my wallet's not, my phone's not, or whatever those items that are most important in my life are not. I'm going to set those off to the side, and then I'm going to jump the rest of me in. You know, if you're going to go all in, well, they come with us. And that's part of the deal. So today I want us to, to look at what that might look like, but I do want to be very clear on the front end about how I want to approach that. And that is, this is not at all, uh, nor should any time we ever, ever talk about generosity, uh, should it ever be a guilt trip, should it ever be arm twisting, or, and here's the reason for that. Number one, it's does, it doesn't work. <laughs> 
it's not very effective for long-term behavior change. People don't make long-term changes in their attitudes and behaviors and things like that because they've been made to feel guilty about something. That, that is generally not a good motivator. So that's reason number one, we're not gonna approach it that way, but there's a more important reason that we're not gonna approach it that way. <clears throat> the more important reason is it's not biblical. In the, the chapter that we're going to get into in a minute in 2 Corinthians 9, we won't read all this, but before the passage we're about to pick up in 2 Corinthians 9, it talks very clearly about how God loves a cheerful giver, about how each person should give what he decided in his heart, not under compulsion, not reluctantly. You know, the, the heart behind that is important, and God cares about that. And so as we approach uh, talking about this, here's the perspective that I want to approach it from the same way we've approached every other question. And next week we get to jump into what if I serve in my area of giftedness. All these powerful questions of what could God do in my life if I took these steps forward in faith. The motivation behind all of them, you've heard me say this before if you've been here and you can help finish this sentence. It's not about what we want from you, it's about what we want for you, right? And that's true. It's a little harder for some people to swallow when it comes to talking about generosity because that really feels like you're just wanting something from me. But I hope as we look at Scripture today and look at this passage, we'll get a different perspective of it's really about what God wants to do in our lives. As we catch a vision for generosity, it, it puts us in a place for God to do some cool stuff. And so let's, let's talk about some of those. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Starting in verse 12 today is where we're going to pick it up. And I mentioned a moment ago, a little context here. Uh, I would encourage you, by the way, to go back and read chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians because all this kind of fits together. They were taking a collection for the Lord's people. We talked about this before, that uh, at this time the people of God were ostracized in many ways, even cut off economically. Uh, there was persecution that was starting to happen. And so there are some major struggles just to be able to survive as a Christ follower. And so they banded together and they pooled their resources and they, you know, we saw some of that in Acts chapter 4 last week as we talked about biblical community. We see it again here in this passage in 2 Corinthians. They were meeting one another's needs, taking up collections, providing for one another. And uh, so that's the context of that. And <clears throat> then you get into verse 12. Let's pick it up in verse 12. It says, this service that you perform, talking about this gift that they're giving, the service you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So you get this, this picture here, right, of... Um, the, the people having this desire to be generous and in, in, in giving to what God is doing, but then how does that come back on them? What are the ways that they are blessed as a result of that? And, and another way of saying that is these are some, some answers to the questions, what if? What if I gave more generously? I see five things from this passage that can happen. The first one is that I could meet more needs. See that right in verse 12. It says not only uh, are not only is this service supplying the needs of the Lord's people, let's stop there for just a minute, it is supplying a need. And when we do give, we are 
meeting needs. There's an opportunity to meet some physical needs in this case. Uh, we'll talk about this more than just physical needs, but uh, at this time, that's a big part of what was needed. Now, if you go back and get a little bit of context in chapter 8, uh, starting in verse 16, there's a little header in my Bible that says, Titus sent to receive the collection. They sent one of the best most trusted servants of God to take up this collection because as you can imagine the people are giving their money to somebody that they really don't personally know and they're just trusting that this gift is going to make it to the people that really need it and you know sometimes can you, you relate to that a little bit too you know maybe it's not that specifically it's like you know if I'm going to give to a certain person or organization or whatever it is or to my church is that money really going where I think it's going is it really going to meet needs of people and so they sent Titus and he basically gives a little bit of his resume he's defending his character and saying we're sending him because this is a guy that you can trust and it's important for us to be able to do that um, we want to know that that when we give that it's actually being used the right way and you know, it made me think about that, even just very practical stuff. One of the, the, the struggles I'm sure many of us have in our culture today is what do you do when you identify very specific needs? Like you see the homeless person on the side of the road, right, or under the bridge. What do you do with that? Well, we shouldn't become so callous that it's that we don't care, right? It's like, oh, that's his problem, and that, that's, that's not the right attitude to have. But the flip side of that is then you can begin to worry about, well, if I give the guy money, you know, is it really going to be used on food? Is it, are there other things that, I mean, you, you, you worry about that, right? You want to know. And so that's why I am thankful for avenues of, uh, and, and resources and organizations that are helping to meet some of those needs that you know that when you work through an organization like that, that it is actually going to meet real needs. And I give you an example of that. There are a lot of those in our community in Wiley. There's some that have been around for decades. There are some that are a little bit newer. There's one called an Amazing Grace Food Pantry some of you are familiar with. You go and serve. Some of our connect groups go and serve there on Saturdays from time to time. We have the baskets in the back that collect food and you see the announcement slides that come up. And this last year we were able to collect about a thousand pounds of food to donate toward them. Uh, that is helping to supply some of the shortfall, but they that is a very small portion of what they do. They partner with North Texas Food Bank. They're able to get, I forget all the statistics, but it's crazy how much food they can get for really, really cheap. And they, they uh, last year alone, um, collect, distributed about 1.4 million pounds of food. Isn't that amazing? And this is not a massive organization. This is, you know, located right here in Wiley, uh, all volunteer run. They helped 1,440 different families. So that, you know, that's an example of something that's like, yeah, okay. So I know that this is actually going to meet needs and is actually uh, being used to, to help real people. Give me another example. Practical ways that we can meet needs. Uh, some of you are, most of you probably are familiar if you've been around for a little while with our foster love ministry. We have a ministry designed to support foster parents. And so uh, there's a closet where we have uh, clothing and, and things of that nature and, and some other items as well um, where we can get people connected to things that they need when they receive a foster child placement. And you never know exactly 
when that's going to happen or what ages and things like that. And so sometimes there's an immediate need. And so uh, 15 months ago, we opened this foster closet with that idea of this is a way to resource some families and then to meet some practical needs of some uh, foster children. Over 15 months, we've served 170 different families and 467 foster children. 15 months. I mean, that, that, to me, that's encouraging that, that, we, that our church has been able to meet some real practical needs. Uh, by the way, if you, if you wonder how that works out, each time the foster closet is open, they're open one Saturday a month, and of course I think they do more than that on the side, uh, but, but f as far as a general time that they're open one Saturday a month for four hours at a time, uh, but they average 31 children per week. That's, that's about eight an hour. So that's a lot of kids that are coming here. And by the way, it's one of the only ones in Collin County. People come from, regularly come from an hour or more away uh, to get supplies and do things here. So just another great, great way, a practical way of meeting some, some real needs. And by the way, today, if you didn't know this, uh, there's a, an event, a uh, Foster Love event this afternoon at 2 o'clock. Kids are coming and getting haircuts and getting school supplies and, you know, just some cool stuff like that will be happening here uh, at the church later this afternoon. But uh, those are just examples, you know, as I look at this. And, you know, typically we don't operate this way of, okay, let's take a collection so that another church, you know, the people can have food to eat, you know, that kind of thing. But there are some different avenues that we can follow similar types of principles, and those are some of them how they work. Here's the second thing. Not only is it meeting physical needs, but the second part of verse 12 says, but it's also supplying the needs of the Lord's people. Uh, it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Here's another way of saying that. If I gave more generously, I could help people draw closer to God. I'm meeting physical needs, but I'm also meeting spiritual needs. I'm helping people to grow in their faith because think about this. These people are praying desperately for God to provide their basic needs. Okay? A little bit different from for the vast majority. This may be not true of everybody, but the vast majority of our people, the things that we are praying desperately for are, are, are usually not, God, please let me have enough food to survive this week. But that was the kind of thing that, in many cases, the people were, were in situations like that. And so um, they're praying for God to meet those needs. When God does meet those needs, what happens? Um, that builds their faith, right? And so here's the cool part of that is that those who are helping to supply those needs are actually, that's, they, they are becoming God's answer to the prayers of these people over here. And isn't that a cool thought to think that through my generosity, I might be able to meet a need in such a way that I'm actually being an answer to prayer for somebody. And God is using that. And their first response wasn't, thank you to the people, although we'll get to that in a minute. There is that element of that. But their first response was to worship God and say, thank you, God, for providing for us. And that's really cool because they're, they're pointing people toward a closer relationship with God. And by the way, when we find ourselves in a place where we are desperately dependent on God, that's a good place for us to be in order to grow in our faith. Uh, you get, find yourself in those, what you, what you might call those Red Sea type moments, you know, where you're just backed up and where are you going to go and what are you going to do and the Egyptian army is coming the other direction and 
God parts this, the, the waters, right? And maybe some of you find yourself there right now. I don't know exactly what it is or what the details look like, but you're just backed up against a wall and you don't see any way out unless God intervenes. And being in those places puts us in a spot where we can see God work in some pretty cool ways. So, um, so, so that isn't always a bad place to be. Um, but because we get to see God work. But then sometimes we get to be on the other side of that. Sometimes we get to be the one receiving what God does in some miraculous way. Sometimes we get to be on the end of helping to provide that answer for God to do something really cool. And, you know, we see that happening on a regular basis, probably so much so that we might take it for granted. But I wanted to share with you because I can relate to, you know, specific types of examples and and um, statistics and things like that. Just in our own church setting, let's talk about how that happens. How your generosity actually translates into people being drawn closer to God. And I wanna take an example that I think is, is close to the hearts of, of really all of us as a, as a church, and that is children within the church. Let's talk about how this impacts kids. Here at Gateway, specifically. And the way this works, by the way, if you wonder, okay, how does my financial giving, my financial support, how does that impact kids? Well, there are several ways that it does. One of the things that happens, you know, about 40% of our operations budget goes toward uh, providing for staff to be able to spend their time and energy and do this as a job to kind of provide structure. Obviously that doesn't mean that staff is doing all the work, but when you have as many volunteers and things that need to be put into place, a structure that needs to happen, you need some people that can devote their time and energy to doing that. Uh, and so let's take in the children's area. For example, we have Stephanie who's full-time on staff here. That, that's what she does, children's ministry. She has some support staff as well, uh, helping to, to put things in place and do those types of things. So you know that's part of it and that's necessary because last year in 2019, we had 150 different volunteers in the children's ministry in some form or another, whether it be a Sunday morning teacher, whether it be a VBS volunteer, uh, somebody working the check-in desk, I mean, whatever, you name it. That's a lot of people. Somebody's got to coordinate all those people and provide structure and, and direction to, and so she does a great job with that. But uh, So there's that element to it. There's the element to it of just having a place to come and, and, and gather and do what they do. And, you know, we have this wonderful new addition to our building that's just about two and a half years old now and provides great space for that. And so there's a financial cost associated with that, with other just, you know, uh, ministry stuff and budget-wise. You, you get the point on all that, but here's what that translates into. Last year, in 2019, we had 1,000 different children who came to Sunday school on a Sunday morning here at Gateway. 1,000 different kids uh, in one year. That, that's a lot of kids. That's a lot of different people that are being touched, that are being impacted at some level. Now, sometimes, of course, those may be, you know, a guess that comes from one. But more than half of those, 550 of those kids were here three times or more, and the majority of those a whole lot more than that. That's a lot of kids that are getting touched on an ongoing basis, on a repeated basis, that have people, and many of you are doing that, that ministry. You know, you're working with those kids, you're pouring into those kids, and, and thank you for that, because that's such a huge, vital part of what we do and training up you know, this next generation. But uh, that's a lot of people being impacted. And that's a practical way of how um, you know, generosity leads to people being drawn closer to God and seeing those kids and seeing you know, the joy that they have and especially the ones that are just you know, learning about who God is for the first time. It's really cool to see. All right, here's number three. What could happen if I gave more generously? And that is I could demonstrate my faith 
clearly. Verse 13, because of this service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God. I'm going to focus on that, that, that service by which you've proved yourself. In other words, you've demonstrated the genuine nature of your faith. Now, let me be really clear about something here. Let's talk about who we are proving our faith to through our generosity. And it is not other people. It's, it's proving it to God. It's demonstrating that to God. Uh, in case we're not clear on that, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus made it very clear. Starting in verse 1, it says, Be very careful. Or be, sorry, I inserted the very. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, very clear from what Jesus said here, that the motivation is not to be recognized. I mean, the Pharisees did that, right? Remember, they would announce their giving with trumpets and, you know, drop these coins into the metal container so they would make lots of noise and everybody would know what they were doing. He said, no, that, that's not the point. The point is that God sees and the point is that God rewards generosity. So, so proving our faith in the sense of demonstrating to God, not to other people, I think it's important to be clear about that. Um, but, you know, when we come to a point of entering into a relationship with Christ, we're trusting Christ as our Savior. We're saying, I'm, I'm putting my life in your hands. I'm surrendering to you. Romans 10, it, you know, talks about uh, that, that if we confess with our mouths uh, that, that, that Christ is Lord, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead will be saved. So there is that element of surrender and lordship. Part of that surrender, it, it, it is everything. And a way that we can demonstrate that is through our generosity. It's a good way for us to, uh, if you'll allow me to use a little pun here, to put our money where our mouth is. I mean, really, literally, to do that is a way for us to show, okay, I say this is important to me. Now, this is one of the ways that I, not the only way, but one important way that I can demonstrate that. And you know, one of the things that it does is it helps us to grow deeper in our faith. Not only does it demonstrate our faith, it actually pushes us to grow deeper. You see, really, when it comes to the heart of the issue and why God's design for us is to live in generosity and to give generously, it's because it helps us grow as deeper disciples. That's what it's all about more than anything. I mean, yeah, the other stuff's important too, but it's really, this is an opportunity for us to grow in our faith and to be stretched. And when you look at the, the, the patterns and designs of how God tells us to give, you know, throughout the Old Testament, we see clearly this concept of a tithe, which is 10% of our income. Uh, it's not commanded anywhere in the New Testament. It is acknowledged. Uh, and, and, and certainly, I think you could make the case the New Testament doesn't go less than what the Old Testament does. If anything, it increases it. But if we were to just take that and say, okay, our standard is to give a tenth of our income, th that puts you in a place where you're really having to depend on God for a, lot, for a lot, you know, especially if you're not in the habit of doing that. I mean, if you were to take, I was did a little research and found that in 2019, <clears throat> the average family household income in this area, in Wiley, and that doesn't include, actually, if we went a little further north, it'd probably be a little bit higher than that. But, but just in the city of Wiley itself, it's about ninety thousand um, dollars. If you take that, ten percent of that's nine thousand dollars. That's seven hundred fifty dollars a week. That's a that's a chunk of money, right? 
it's a pretty good amount to say, okay, I'm going to give away that amount of money. That's going to impact um, a person's budget and the way they operate and the way, you know, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to make a significant, um, it's going to cause us to depend on God and, and His provision. And so there's growth that comes from that as well. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's good to cause us to be in a place where we're depending on God and, and growing in our faith. Here's a fourth thing that I see in this passage that, that is a good thing that could come out of this, and if I gave more generously, is that I could make deeper connections. In verse 14, it says, in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. So we said a moment ago, it's not just about the people being grateful to the others that are providing for their needs. It's you know, about them thanking the Lord for that. But there is that, that aspect of the heart connection that takes place when you know that you are giving toward a certain ministry or a certain individual or those kinds of things. Like you feel more connected, right? Think, think about this in terms of if you've ever sponsored a child. You know, we have some great sponsorship opportunities. We work uh, primarily through an organization called Indoto now, and, and our family has a child. I know many of you do too. Um, if you ever have a chance to actually meet your child, you know, it's one thing to, you know, even just to, to, to write back and forth is tremendous. Get letters back and forth and maybe send a picture or whatever. There's a personal connection. But then if you actually meet them face to face, we had the chance to do that back in 2012 uh, when we took our first trip. It was a different organization, but took our first trip to Kenya. And we had been sponsoring a child for several years and had kind of let that slide in the months before we went on that trip. And then we met him face to face. And once we met him face to face, it was like, okay, we're, we're not going to let this slide anymore. You know, because now this is somebody that, that we know him. We know what his needs are. We know where his heart's at. And so, uh, that, you know, there's something about that, right? Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so, you know, when there's a personal connection there, you know, when you're investing in some way, your, your heart gets, tends to get drawn to it. But the flip side of that is true as well, and that is the more our heart gets connected to something, the more we want to invest there because our desire is there. Our, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's what we care about. And so it's cool to see that, but it, it allowed them to, to make some heart connections because they were investing in these people, and it says that, uh, that their hearts went out to them. And then the last thing I want to point out to you is the second part of verse 14. Uh, it, it talks about because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Here's the, the, the fifth thing that could happen, and that is that I could be a conduit for God's grace. I could be a conduit for God's grace through my giving. That can, can be an expression of God's grace. Because, you know, God expresses his grace to us as a gift, right? John 3, 16, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his one and only son. God's love motivated him to give Christ in our place to send him to die on the cross for us, to pay for our sins so that we don't have to, so that we can be forgiven. That's a, that's a gift from God. And that gift is an expression of grace. Now, we have the opportunity to share that same message. We have the opportunity to go and tell people, this is what God has done for us. This is what God has done for me. And this is the difference that's made in my life since I've come to trust in Christ. And we can share that and talk about that. But sometimes we can also give in such a way that it opens the door for that message to be shared more fully. And that's exciting. 
When we're doing that, we are actually being a conduit of God's grace. One of the ways that God's grace is getting expressed is because of what we are doing to support that uh, financially in other ways. So um, that, that's a cool thought to me too, is just that God can work through us and can take um, you know, just normal people like us and yes, tell our story and share our faith, but also through our generosity to, um, to be able to allow His grace to spread. So five things that can happen in our lives. Let me recap them real quick. One is that I can meet more needs. Two, I can help people draw closer to God. I can demonstrate my faith clearly. I can make deeper connections, and I can be a conduit of God's grace. Those are exciting things. Those are all good things that happen in my life uh, as I take greater steps toward generosity. Now, as we prepare to wrap things up, let me just pivot for just a moment and talk about that's what happens in our lives individually. What could happen in the life of our church if collectively, as a community of faith, if we really got excited about generosity. I mean, what if all of Gateway Community Church started asking the question, what if I gave more generously? What, what could happen? And just looking at just sheer numbers on a page, you know, what could happen? I, I went back and looked and we had just over 300, I think it was, what was it, 307, I wrote it down in here somewhere, 307 different family units, different, different households that gave in some way to the ministry of our church last year. Um, probably more than 307 families that are actively involved in our church, but that's how many gave in some form or fashion. Let's just start there. Going back to what we said a moment ago, if the average income of our community reflects our church, and let's say that's $9,000 a year would be what the average family would give just in a tithe. Multiply that times 307, you know what you get? You're a little over $2.7 million. That's about two and a half times what was brought in through our regular budget offerings last year. That's a lot of money. And guys, that's where I start getting excited thinking about what, what could take place with that. I mean, really, what kind of ministry could, could that open up for us? What kind of additional opportunities could that open up if those resources were made available? And that, that gets exciting. And I hope that gets exciting for you to start thinking about too, is man, what really could take place and what more opportunities could we see if all of us caught this vision? So it's personal. It's what does God want to do in my life and how does he want to stir my life? But it's also corporate. It's like, man, as a body of believers, there's some pretty cool stuff that could happen. Now, as far as the real practical side, I know for some, you're like, man, that sounds great, but I'm just not there and I'm not even close to being there and I'm not sure how I'm going to get there. Let me encourage you to take a step, whatever that next step is. If you're not giving anything, start somewhere. Start with something. Give a little bit. If it's 2%, make it 4 If it's 4%, make it 6 I mean, just some kind of incremental step toward, okay, God, I want to continue to grow in this area of generosity in my life. And that's something that all of us can do is to make sure that we're taking steps in the right direction. And then step back and say, okay, God, what? how's this going to... What are you going to do in my life as a result of this? And rather than being fearful about it and, oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to do this? And what's this going to look at it from that perspective of how awesome is this going to be? That God is going to do some, some cool stuff. I'm going to get to live out in my life some of what I'm reading about in 2 Corinthians 9 and other places in Scripture where God says, Watch me and watch what I do. 
And I believe he will, and, and I really do believe this. It may be hard for us to grasp sometimes, but I really do believe that our giving is more about what God wants for us than it is what he wants from us. It's about what he wants to do in our lives uh, as we capture and, and just get a grasp and a vision for generosity. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I do pray that you would give us your vision, uh, that you would give us just a, a mindset, Lord, of, of what you can do and want to do in us. And we pray, Lord, for faith and for uh, just provision and all those things as we, uh, we want to see you work. And so we commit these things to you. Uh, Lord, would you uh, <clears throat> just give us also the needs of just practical steps and things that, uh, that, that we need to do to get there. Uh, we lean on you for that as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today let me begin.